Hello, one and all, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap on June 29th of 2022. I'm Nick, of course, with Quinn, and we have manga to talk about. A bizarre assortment of manga to talk about. Uh, I didn't know that there were some series we were going to double up on, so that was a surprise, but here we go. I, I felt cruel to take away chapters in which Jiro was present. Uh, now, I don't know if she comes up very much during either recap, but it felt cruel to take those away from you. Uh, I could not possibly discuss Boruto without you. No, I, I'm very grateful for that. And I, I, I don't like Lucid Samurai enough to recap it on my own. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that's fair enough. <laughs> but oh, Nick, man. While you were gone, congratulations are in order. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who might be listening or to this or watching, uh, and didn't know that what, just why I was not, uh, present for the previous episode, it was because I was on vacation. And one of the things I did on vacation was, uh, I got married to, um, uh, to, to Nicole, you know, the person I've been dating for a long time, but so not, not a surprise there, uh, to who it was. It to, would be really but, crazy if you're like, I just married some random person I met. Just, I don't even actually know their name. I just, it's just like, a that's, that's the new reality show. Like you set people up to think that they're going to marry their significant other. And then you just like, ah, and they're in a ceremony with a complete stranger. It's like, oh man, they would, that, that would get so much attention online before the series was canceled in pre-production. <laughs> It's 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 like uh, I like I imagine it's just like there was some giant loophole. Like if you go underneath this arc, whoever you're seated next to, you're legally married to them now. Like that can't be. All right. Well, that's that's what happened. You know, just roll with it. Sure. It's like one of those things where, you know, it's like, oh, if you do this, this and this, then you'll be fated to be together forever. Except it's a cruel twist and you don't know the other person. God, what a nightmare. Well, Nick, it's because you forwarded those 15 chain mails to the right people. That means you got to marry your significant other. And if you hadn't, Bloody Mary would have came in your sleep and chopped up all of your innards. That's what happened in high mm-hmm. school. Yep. Okay. You, you sent you forwarded just the right number of chain letters along. And thus, you got the, you got the good ending. And those are the only two options. So yeah, that was it. It was one or the other in chain letters. <laughs> God, man, what an archaic like night, like late nineties, early two thousands thing. Yeah. Chain letters, where you're like, it was an email that you would get in like seven different con- fonts and colors <laughs> it didn't used to even be email yeah. it used to be actual letters <laughs> yeah. i only really know it from when it was email because that's where it was like oh you could easily forward this long to 15 people unless maybe you want to get cut up by bloody mary huh and you're like yeah not particularly but now i'm kind of curious what's gonna happen you know and that's why we all die when the ring becomes real because we're all gonna watch the video not all of us are gonna be like i mean come on can't really be real can it <laughs> What if all of us watch it? <laughs> it can't kill us all. Wasn't that like what they made tried to make it seem like the more recent Ring movie was going to be, where they had the whole thing with like the plane and everyone's like screen on the plane was showing the Ring video or something? Yeah, that is what happened. Like that, all the the all, the entire plane had to watch the Ring and they all died. I thought that that didn't actually happen in the movie. I think I remember hearing that. 
I thought it. I thought it did. It actually did. I, I, no, look, I've never watched the Ring sequel. I believe <laughs> remake, reboot, whatever it might be. I just know I listened to a podcast where someone talked about it, and I believe they said that yeah, they all die. So cool. People die in a Ring movie, man. That's spoilers. Crazy. Yeah, guys, we have manga to talk about, mm-hmm. and we're gonna kick things off in that regard by talking about a series that. Uh, Fits in with uh, the month of June, Pride Month, which is called Catch These Hands. Uh, there is also like a different dial in Japanese that I had. I had a lot of difficulty actually like looking stuff up about this series, so I have lost it. Uh, I tr- I try to do research ahead of time. I'm sorry, I wasn't ready for for, for in this particular regard, but uh, it's a pretty short series uh like two volumes long and it is a girl love series or a shoujo series uh about uh, these two uh early 20s girls uh one of them is named takebe and the other is named soramori and the two of them are former delinquents who were from rival schools so uh, they would occasionally get into fights when they were young. Uh, and then they meet up again when they're, you know, now in their early adulthood. And uh, Takabe doesn't really have much direction in her life. She just is. She, she's a she's a neat. Uh, she just kind of like sits around at home. I think literally there is a moment where they talk about there's just like a little mention of her. And she says, yeah, I spent all day staring at the ceiling. Um, and that was just that's just it. Uh, and then Sora Mori has a job at a clothing boutique and Takabe is trying to like put her old past, past behind her. She goes in to get like some new clothes and start changing her life, runs into Sora Mori and, uh, they do, they recognize each other and Takabe thinks, oh no, I've been trying to get away from being a delinquent as I try and, you know, get into maturity and adulthood and stuff. And Sora Mori is looking at me weird like she wants to fight me. So I, I don't want us to have to get into that again. And then as it turns out, Sora Mori does want to fight her. But with the twist of, hey, if I beat you, then please go out with me. And um, understandably, that catches Takabe off guard. And she loses the quote unquote fight. Yeah, it's basically ultimate <laughs> surrender. <laughs> but the far more PG version. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything in that regard. <laughs> I just want to get, this is where everybody who knows doesn't know. Like, mm, we're all people of culture who have seen these good internet videos. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that there's going to be a few people who are I, I want to know, I'm going to, should we like take bets on if in the chat someone has gone what or if someone's gone yeah first? Like, <laughs> I saw, there's going to be a knowing, there's someone who's going to know and I, you know yeah, what? But which is, which is going to be first? Someone probably saying what? Because okay. I feel like the people who know, you know, you're, you're, you're playing close to the chest. You're just like, huh? What are you, t-? like, you're like, I can't act like I know or people will think I'm horny. Yeah, right. we got a couple of what's, but there is one of them that is a huh? Yeah. 
Now, when it comes it. to the Discord, I feel like there's going to be four oh. more yes. Yeah. What? All right. <laughs> I didn't expect that to get brought up today. <laughs> uh, so, Takabe and Saramori start dating. And the rest of the manga is them essentially trying to figure out how they feel about each other, what they want to do while they're dating. Uh, Takabe trying to figure out if, you know, why Soromori is attracted to her and if she might and if she feels anything the same. Uh, And gradually, as they get closer and closer them kind of deciding what they want to do with their lives and what they want to do with their lives together. So when um, you, you kind of gave the uh, brief, brief overview of what the series was going to be about when you, when you uh, mentioned it a couple weeks ago, uh, I thought this was going to be more emphasis on the fighty delinquent part of it. But it's important to stress in the sum up, these are former delinquents. Former. There is very, very little in the way of any sort of like physical confrontation that takes place in the series. And it is pretty much always just played for laughs when it happens. It's a brief little you know, a puff of smoke and somebody has fallen on the ground. Uh, and, and that's just kind of it. And there's a yeah, humorous reaction. It's not a battle manga or anything it is like not. that. So it's not what I would describe as like a very exciting series when you, if, if you go in with that mindset of like, oh, it's going to be two cool fighty girls and then they're going to fall in love while they're getting fighty. It's like, no, no, not, not really. No. No. This is, um, as I was reading the beginning of it, I kind of, in my mind was like a queen. It's like, it's like, it's like soup. It's not super flashy. That's, I don't know why that comparison fucked me up more than the alternate surrender one. That's right. <laughs> this so, manga is a lot like soup. <laughs> it's not super flashy, uh-huh. but it makes you warm inside. It's Aww. good for you because this is a very sweet series. It's kind of reserved, but it is very wholesome And it's very nice to get to know these two girls as they are kind of sorting through the very complicated period in between teenagehood and adulthood. And uh, also sorting out the weird thing of like, how how do you date someone like that? that, That's something that a lot of people, myself included, do not know how to do at first. (laughs) It is. It's kind of amusing because it's like they set up into a date or whatever like, they, like, hey, we're going to be in a relationship. And then it's just like, I guess I'll go hang out with her. I have nothing else to do. Holy shit, are we dating? Like, it's just that moment of, like, that. all they do is they keep hanging out together until mm-hmm. the point where it's just like, fuck. I guess we're actually dating. God damn it. <laughs> there is not a lot of, like, oh, hand-holding and, you know, spar- you know, sparkly moments of, you know, them staring into each other's eyes. So they're just kind of hanging out. But they are dating and eventually we get to you get to a point where um because there's this recurring character named uh, Maria, 
who uh, Sora Mori kind of like met online because she also was in love with a rival uh, delinquent fighter. So, you know, I don't know how I don't know how large that Venn diagram is, yeah. but they found each other within <laughs> it. So uh, and so they end up meeting up and becoming friends. And so now Maria is like her confidant and she is the more experienced in terms of oh yeah you know i'm in this in this relationship with another, with another woman who's got this kind of tough tougher side to them uh and takaba and Saramori go on a trip with them and during the trip they have this very nice uh real conversation about like yeah this is what relationships are actually like versus what you would probably expect a relationship to be like if your only exposure to it would be in you know pop culture or romance novels or whatever uh you know it does seem it did seem kind of weird to me at first that our relationship wasn't you know super romantic quote unquote but we got really comfortable with each other and that's what's most important is just i being with together just makes us happy. It makes us feel comfortable. And yeah, there are moments that are, you know, super romantic, but you don't have to force the entire relationship to be like that. And when you get that moment, it kind of gives Takabe and Soromori the sense of, oh, so just because we've just kind of been hanging out, that's fine. We're doing things at our own pace and we're comfortable and we're happy spending time with each other. Even though to this point, they haven't held hands. They haven't kissed or anything like that. But that yeah. becomes important, too. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I would say this is a very, very sweet series where it just like you know, it just kind of doesn't go too far. And, you know, there's a good comedic relationship going on where one of them is in a persistent scout. Like, it's great. They, they show pictures of her as a child and she's also just like bitter and angry and scowling at everything. And I was like, yes, I like you. And I, <laughs> I do like your golden retriever girlfriend energy that your, your <laughs> friend has. And, but even with that, there's still the undercurrent of like, all right, this one person was at one time, one of the strongest delinquents in the area. So yeah. like she knows how to get things done when the time comes to it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a really fun dynamic that I, I have a lot yeah. of fun watching. I found Takabe to be very relatable Yeah, as, as someone who, um, also looks like he's just constantly ready to murder everything. <laughs> um, and, uh, as it turns out, um, there, I don't know if it's ever actually explicitly stated, but it also seems like Takabe is just ace. And it's just like, yeah, she's just ace and she's in a relationship. And that's just kind of it. It's a, it's very refreshing to have the relationship between them. It's not a big deal that, you know, they're gay. It's just like, yeah, well, how, what does this mean to us? And it's just like regular, regular relationship troubles. There's not someone who comes swooping in and is like, oh, this is wrong or anything. There's no examination of like, well, what does it mean if I'm going out with another woman? And yes, there is definitely a lot of value to series like that. But for this type of series, I think it worked incredibly well to just treat their relationship like a relationship. And that that that's it. Um, to continue my wonderful suit metaphor, and it's a great metaphor. You shut the fuck up. This is one of those kind of soups that ends up having like, you know, you don't see it at first, but then you, you know, like start 
eating it and you're like oh there's like really good potatoes in this soup there's all these wonderful awesome vegetables in it there's more to this than just like oh a general sense of like oh this is comforting to read it's the more that i that you read it the better it gets the more you get to know the two characters get to know that yeah, Sora Mori has this, you know, very go get him attitude, but she's also got all of these insecurities that she's dealing with. Takabe has this very blunt uh, personality, but she also has a very kind of childlike side to her because she easily gets jealous and protective and doesn't know what that means. Um, and then they go to an origami class together, and it's wonderful. <laughs> uh-huh. So... Yeah, it. I strongly recommend this series. Honestly, it's not super exciting, but I really, really came away from it really enjoying it. I think that for what it's going for, it succeeds wholeheartedly. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that's where I'll wrap up too. Uh, there's if so, uh, you can get this f- series in English um, mm-hmm. it through is Yen published. Press. Yes. Uh, and this is another one of those series similar to Dick Fight Island that I feel like, uh, got a very generous <laughs> localization name that makes it a lot more catchy. Um, so that is going for it. Uh, I hope people read it. I think this is a very fun series. You're, you, the second volume just came out, so you're not like you're running behind or anything like that. This is a very light series. It's fun. I think both of us enjoyed it. I think I don't think you'd go wrong reading this series. It's 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 good fun. Yes. And this is to make up for the fact that I I so I bought the first volume that's just based off the name. I was like, maybe we'll read this at some point. Uh <laughs> and fell asleep during the first Aww. chapter. It was because I was really tired though. It's not because of the series. I, I could relate to that. Yeah. So I, I was just like in the middle being like, right, I'm gonna turn this big. Poor Quinn. Uh, it all worked out. Got got my eight hours of sleep and I was back at it. So we've got multiple chapters of some of these series to cover. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm gonna let's do, do it. This. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna start with chapter three hundred fifty six of My Hero Academia regarding the enemy. Uh, this picks up immediately after Hawks had completely broken open all for one's helmet. Uh, Jiro and Tokiyami are still helping out. Uh, Jiro uses her jacket to further enshroud, uh, Tokiyami's dark shadow so that he can launch an attack. And Tokiyami does this big shadow claw thing. Uh, and smashes uh, all, all for one with it. Uh, and like Hawk starts bragging about how they're weak, but they're still hurting him, I guess. Okay. Um, all for one is starting to panic because uh, his quirks are still rebelling against him for, again, unexplained thus far reasons. Uh, and so Hawks thinks that, like, oh, he's really vulnerable right now. I could actually kill him with one quick blow when he gets his sword ready to strike. But then we get this visual of all for one suddenly just grabbing and like eating the rebelling quirks inside him, I guess. 
and he just slashes out with all of these sharp tendrils in every direction. Uh, and this was very difficult to follow for me the first time that I read it. But in addition to, you know, launching out blades everywhere, he also sends them out to catch the fragments of his mask and pull them back to his face to reconstruct it, which I don't think is sufficient to put it back together. But maybe he also has super glue on his tendrils. I don't know. Anyway, it looks briefly as though Hawks has been impaled trying to protect Tokiyami and Jiro by putting his body in the way. And in fact, he did seemingly plan to do that. But fortunately, Endeavor got up and he's going to fight all for one while all for one's like, ah, you look ugly because you're not staying down, <laughs> which all right. Um, we get this internal monologue where Endeavor basically chastises himself. It's a young version of himself looking down on his current version and saying that he's weaker now. And the fact that, you know, all of the stuff that he's been trying to do by being responsible and stuff has simply exposed his weakness that's always been present. And he chastises himself saying, you'll never be a superhero, Angie. Think back to your origin. Remember what the real enemy was. Recall how your father attempted to save a girl from some bastard and wound up as a corpse along with the girl. I mean, very, very, very quick backstory there. <laughs> well, you got all the details, you know? It's, yeah, some right. guy, some girl, your dad. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and basically, he just tries to remind himself of the thing that, you know, really, really motivated him when he was in more his heyday pursuing after all might. And so he picks himself up uh, while his younger self says, yeah, you're never going to be all might. You're never going to be Deku. I've only ever done battle with the weakness within. He's a hero. <laughs> What a nerd. Like, like, to be, like, fucking 30 years old or, what, like, probably almost 40 years old to still be such a fucking dork. Yeah, that's what we all need. A kick in the pants from our teenage selves and all of the wisdom that they embody. <laughs> it, it's like, I don't know. It's like when you find, like, a like a fucking middle-aged adult still listening to that fucking, like, uh, the fucking, uh, oh, God, who did that song? Like, I Hate Everything About You uh three days grace yeah you're listening to some shit like that let me get that let me get that on here <laughs> like the idea you have it like on vinyl you're like uh on vinyl i <laughs> <laughs> think that was an outdated medium when it came out it's back now it's back i know it's back hang on it's, uh, what was that? Uh, you'll need three. to play it it'll also get our video taken down uh, it's on the other computer it's fine okay so you're just listening to it for yourself yeah okay you know. that's fine you know you should you should be able to uh, oh <laughs> I, I forgot that the title was just i hate parentheses everything about yeah. you that's what i mean it's just like i don't know man i feel like when you're at this age you need to like tone it back a little bit <laughs> uh so anyway we do get this really badass uh, panel of Endeavor getting ready to punch Shell for one while he's going, gritting his teeth and snarling and stuff. 
Uh, and then he flaming fist punches all for one in a way that makes it look briefly like he has incinerated his own fist to launch it, but he hasn't. Um, uh, and Endeavor says, I'm going to put an end to this fight. It's my duty. Okay. So next chapter, 357, Wounded Hero Burning Bright and True. <laughs> So, uh, offer one summon to shield so that he won't get uh, burned by the fire, all hot and stuff. Uh, and he comments to himself that he actually senses great danger, uh, which makes him think back to his fight with All Might. Then we get another really cool picture of Endeavor uh, charging up another flame fist attack, and the fire is like swirling around his fist and stuff. Uh, he lost his arm, didn't he? Is he? I, he I don't know arm. these things. Maybe, maybe I, he didn't. I don't know. It's been covered in fire the whole time, so I can't tell. <laughs> maybe, that That's probably it, because he did get heavily wounded earlier. So Maybe not, because I'm trying to look, look through the rest of the chapter and see if it's there. And there's, ironically, not a ton of good shots of his arm. Oh, it just looks like from there, like it's definitely like a like um like cut off above the arm, right, or above the elbow, and then fire, which is kind of dope. It is kind of cool to be like, I'm gonna swirl fire up and make that my fist and punch you with it. Yeah, it does really look like a stump when on the next page when he's charging towards all all for one. Uh, I'm sure that if we if someone said it's the exact right picture of it, then we'd be like, oh yeah, I did get it cut off. People in the chat are saying that that's what happened. He lost his arm defending or saving Hawks. And no one's no one's reacting at all to loss of body parts in this fight. (laughs) So bleach award. There you go. Uh, Hawks uh, uses some feathers to make uh, Endeavor go fast, and he and he punched super fast. Uh, Um, there. He gets all for one gets smashed into the ground where some of their heroes are, and it's like, oh, that could be bad though, um, or could be good. You always, mm, always could you be. can always just change how you how you interpret it. True. Uh, Hawks uh, questions why Endeavor didn't use prominence burn, and Endeavor's like, uh, yeah, I can't just use that move all the time. Uh, I've got to make sure that I destroy his defenses so that I actually kill him with it, essentially. Uh, and Hawk's like, oh, you're keeping cool and calculating, huh? And Endeavor goes, no, I can't hold back this rage. <laughs> so he seems to be doing an OK job. Uh, so all for one is knocked to the ground. Uh, Comedy Woods uh, is down there and he immediately says, oh, man, it's all for one. Everyone retreat. And some random hero is like but shouldn't we bum rush and there's just a huge explosion of fire as endeavor smashes down into all for one from above uh and kamiwa just looks like i'm made of wood i'm staying away from this fight (laughs) so giant flame fire dragging all for one along the ground uh endeavor's eyes are blazing as well uh a hand is scorched. I don't know whose hand. Uh, and I guess he, no, he's scorching all for one's hand to make sure that he can't drain his pow- his quirks. Uh, 
and it never like, ah, oh, I've made so many mistakes and they took the form of Toya and it led to so many stolen futures. The past never dies. Rage, resentment, penance are wound together toward the future. And the future is the path for the young. So, all right. Yeah, he's, 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 uh, okay. He's, uh, he, he, it's penance, fire, burning self. It's kind of like, um, uh, Ghost Rider, but shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like a dickhead. Uh, it, it, it ends, this whole sequence ends with Endeavor just give, hugging it out with all for one Aww. and just emitting fire to burn him to a crisp and disintegrate him. And in all for one's body is crumbling away into ash while endeavor thinks he doesn't have hyper regeneration. Uh, he, he, he's got, he's going to die. He is a dead man. But then Hawks realizes something is wrong somehow. Uh, and the entirely made of ash crumbling away all for one Keikaku Tories and says, did you really think I'd casually saunter up to the big finale empty handed? That was thematically on time. (laughs) I didn't want to interrupt that because I was like, that was kind of perfect. On a meta level, that was fucking awesome. (laughs) He says this body had already served its purpose. And it was destined for the scrap heap anyway. So why not try this out? Um, and we get a shot of Airy, And there are capsules around her. It's her blood, isn't it? The, the quirk negating stuff, maybe. So... I guess, but where is, I don't know. So look, I'm not the knowledgeable one here. I just assume that's what this is trying to apply. So then all for one. Do you want me to talk about how buggy being an emperor is crazy? Because I can talk to you about that. I can't talk to you about this. I have no idea what this means. (laughs) His eye and his ear are fine, I guess. And they go with his mouth. And he says, heroes don't have a monopoly on big sacrificial moments, you know. Uh, and uh, everyone freaks out, uh, including especially the uh, first wielder of One for All, who appears beside Midoriya. And he's like, I've got a bad feeling about this. And Deku spots some people in the distance. And that's the end of the chapter. Both chapters done crazy stuff all right let's real quick talk about undead on luck number 116 stake your soul on the sword so last time nice andy destroyed all of the uh capsules inside of nico's lab thus destroying every memory that nico has left of his wife it's pretty fucking brutal it breaks nico's mind and allows ghost to take over his body becoming ghost phase two and in his new form, he has a soul scythe that he cuts Andy with. And when he does it, Andy can't move that body part anymore. He is literally cutting apart his soul when that happens. And we see Metal. it uh, yeah, <laughs> emphasized in a chain with like the ghost parts all hanging there. 
And he explains, like, last time when you, you fought, you used your soul to move back when you were all stuck, you know. So you have learned to do that. You've added to this. But now I will be able, now that you've broken his mind, I have taken over and I can do so much more. Will you be my friend? And Andy separates himself from his soul, just says, go to hell. Or I guess kind of synchronizes them. And uses his soul to strike. And Ghost is like, oh, sorry, I have the ability to switch between astral form and physical form at will. So, sucks to suck, nerd. Another thematically on-time thunderclap. Yeah, sucks to suck, nerd is a great thunderclap <laughs> moment. <laughs> sucks to suck, nerd. Um... And he's like, gets like both of his forms get grabbed by the throat, and uh, Ghost is like, "Well, will you be my friend or my food?" And he says, "How about neither?" And he goes to strike because they're like, "Look, if we if we strike about both, then he won't like one of them will hit." Right. But then Ghost is like, "Oh, but if you do that, you'll hit the girl, and she's in such a fragile state that she might die." Oh, humans really are hassle. They value the lives of others more than their own. Ow, it hurts, it hurts. <laughs> ah, 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 no, I was I was laughing maniacally. You're not supposed to interrupt me. Yeah. Come on. Uh, it is Nico who has gained enough of his consciousness back to basically start ripping away at the control and says, like, this is why I hate you, UMAs, who can't even follow the rules. If you're not going to follow it, then you're an enemy to science and to me. And he shouts to Andy saying, I admit defeat. So quit being difficult and give Fuko back to him already. And he literally just rips the cage with Fuko out and throws it to him. And he's like, look, you can kill Ghost and it's fine. There is a period of time after UMA dies before their rules disappear. So use that time, take advantage of the lag and put Fuko's soul back into her physical body. Then you can see her again. And Andy just shouts, got it, and thinks, I'll put my soul into the katana, does silver waxing move, slashing Nico in half, seemingly killing Ghost, and freeing Fuko. Yeah. Really cool, fast-paced uh, chapter. It is now, oh boy, this is going to be great. Uh, <laughs> All right, calm down, Florida. You had some thematic timing for a little bit. Now you're, you, you, you figured out your gimmick, and you're just you're pushing it a little too hard. Uh, and, um, yeah, it, it, it's really cool. There's, I love, there's a lot of really cool moments, uh, both story-wise and artistically all in this one chapter. It's great. Um, it does definitely seem as though Undead Unluck is somehow picking up the pace, which is like, how is that possible? But it really feels like this, this was introduced and resolved really quickly. So we'll see how, uh, much more of Undead Unluck we get. Very much so. All right. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Boruto, chapter number 71, Hindrance. Look at this boy. Look at Code, this giant nerd with his fucking... He looks like he's from a 90s vampire movie right now. <laughs> he's got a lot going White. on. Um, a lot of flowing accoutrements. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. Yeah, happy yeah. pride, Code. The red eyes and the freaking, uh, uh, what do you call it? ascot, the mm -hmm. white hair. So last time, Amato agreed to uh, release the limits on Code's power for some reason. Uh, and Code to be like, all right, going to kill you now. 
Uh, but then Amato goes, Ada, wait, it's about Kawaki. And so he was like, all right, I want to hear this. And so she used the power to stop code because she could do that, I guess. And she's like, all right, what about it? And Amato's like, Kawaki's the ace up my sleeve in case Konoha ever tries to abandon me like now or if they decide to eliminate me. They didn't try to abandon you. They, you got taken from anyway. So <laughs> Ada says, what are you talking about? And Code's like, he's just bluffing us so that he won't get killed. But Ada's like, no, 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 no. He mentioned Kawaki's name. Go on. Uh, and Code keeps on trying to be like, no, I want to kill him. I want to kill him. And so she calls to Damon and Damon grabs Code's arm and puts a hand around his mouth and is like, hey, don't get carried away now. So Code, newly unlimited, super ultra mega form Code uses his claw and tries to attack Damon and Damon's power makes him hurt himself instead. And he slashes himself into the temple. So he instead disappears through a portal and appears somewhere else so that he gets away from Damon. And uh, Ada's like, hey, what are you doing trying to attack my little brother? So Code's like, I mean, you guys started getting aggressive with me first. And Ada's like, look, I just want that Kawaki. So stop being a hindrance. Oh, chapter title. Hindrance. What a title. Anyway, so uh, and then Amato <laughs> says like, hey, you remember like what we talked about last chapter, right? <laughs> Shikamaru invited Ada to hang out there so she could be close to Kawaki. I mean, if she keeps going out with you, then yeah, you're going to get in the way of that, right? Code's like, you shut the fuck up. I'm gonna <laughs> shut up. I'm gonna kill you. Stop banging on me in front of my girlfriend. <laughs> I love how Code's even like, stop trying to trick Ada and throw me to the woods. And I was like, I'm literally just stating what happened. <laughs> He's like, but there's not a lot of like colorful retelling of events going on. You just suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Code, oh, he's so clever and smart and cool. He says, shut up, and tries to attack Amato. But Damon, little eight-year-old Damon, jumps in and grabs Code and pushes him? I don't know. Code goes flying backwards and skids along the ground. And Damon said, hey, my my big sis said stop. And if you can't listen to her, then you gotta be disposed of. It. Uh, uh, I got pain. I got pain. The most annoying. stop and stop doing it. Yeah, stop it now. Idiots that can't understand simple things need to be disposed of. He sniffs a lot. He's got a lot of he's, he's got a lot of mucus built up. We get a brief sequence where Shikamaru explains to Sasuke and Naruto and Boruto what happened. Um, Why we learn nothing from this? Why ourselves away from the good conversation? Who is taking us away from this epic moment of Damon and Code finally clashing? Well, hold on, hold on. There's a second here. Hold on, hold on. So, it's so that, it's so that Shikamaru can build up Damon as an enemy cyborg. What? Ooh. Anyway, 
And then we get a shot of Damon, the coolest boy in the world. Look at his bowl cut and his jacket that is fastened by mysterious means that I can't determine. (laughs) And his boy shorts. (laughs) And his belt that's too big and it just loops down by his short leg. (laughs) It really is. Like... He's such a dork in every part of his outfit, and yet they still give him, like, the cool battle pose, like, ah, you're messing with me now. (laughs) So, so Code looks at this boy, and Code, no limits on his power. He could defeat anyone, could destroy anyone with the mere flick of his finger turns to and goes, Damon's acting weird. Make him stop. <laughs> it's so many great little moments. <laughs> it's like Code got the biggest power up and finds every way to make it seem like the most insignificant, stupid thing he could have done. Like, I have all this power. Ana, can you tell your little brother to stop being mean to me? <laughs> Please? So... Code tries to appeal to Ada, saying, I love you, though. Don't you don't you still need my power? And Ada says, no. <laughs> and I don't like your attitude. And you suck. And you suck. <laughs> smell. I hate your face. And then Damon's like, yeah, and you don't need to worry about my big sis, because I'm going to protect you. And Code I- says... I almost actually really liked this two-page spread the first time I saw it because I thought it was intentionally a two-page spread because the first panel on both of them is like the eyes of either Code or Damon. Uh, And I thought like, oh, this is meant to be like one of those, you know, those pages that parallel each other. It's not. It's pure coincidence. The artist just happened to draw the eyes of the two characters at the top in one long, stupid rectangular panel. The rest of it means nothing. It has no parallel to each other afterwards. Uh, someone, uh, in our discord server, I, I'm, I apologize. I forget, uh, who pointed this out, but there are so many shots where we see quote unquote cutaway reactions. Like you would see in a filler in an anime in order to pad the runtime. And what was, uh, four, five, uh, six, uh, the, the seven, eight, uh, the, the, the nine, 10, uh, the 11, the, 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 the 12, 13. Uh, so that's so there's 13 in the first 10 pages of this chapter. Like, it's just a constant thing where just it'll just cut to someone who's not saying anything. They're just going <clears throat> and that's it. And it's the same expression every time. And it makes the layout of pages like the one that you were talking about, where it looked briefly like they were looking at each other so much more cluttered because there's just so many moments where a panel that could just be like bigger and provide more detail of the scene that's happening are instead cut down to make room for more people just going and that's it. Anyway, Code's like, I'm going to kill you, Damon. And Damon goes, hee hee, you're using it. Sounds interesting, Trey. He really is just a shit heel, just, just the worst. Uh, Bug, for whatever reason, decides he's on Code's side. I mean, and- in this scenario, why would you not be? <laughs> if these were the two sides, 
Why would you not be on the side that's not with Damon? Oh man, Coach just got his big power up. He better not lose because that'll make it look like the whole thing was pointless. <laughs> I- I'll be honest. There's a lot of things. Like if I found out Damon was a big fucking Luchasaurus fan, I'd be like, you know, I don't really like Luchasaurus that much after all. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love FTR. I'm like, eh, maybe they are overrated. Yeah, maybe, they're not. <laughs> maybe they do. They do. They do respect Cornette's opinion a little too yeah, much. I think. I, I just start really hammering in on that sort of stuff. He's like, I love the New York Giants. Like, you know, I, the, the Eagles aren't so bad when you think about it. <laughs> just saying, you know. So, Bug gives away that Damon's ability only works if he is touching other people with his hands this character who can reflect anything back actually hold on there's a gigantic weakness he has to be touching you so if you've got you know a gun he's done Thankfully, in the world. Oh man! Thankfully, there are no projectiles in the world. Quinn, Quinn, we finally found it. It's Ten Ten's moment to shine. (laughs) She throws ten thousand shurikens, and they all they all hit her. She's like, "You used your power." He's like, "No, you're just bad at this." What a stupid, it's as though, this is so infuriating to think about, because you're like, what a gigantic fucking stupid explanation of his powers. They're like, this dude's incredible. He reflects everything back at him. Like, he's almost untouchable. This guy's essentially a god. This might be the strongest character in all of Naruto. Like, how can you possibly do it? And like, no, actually, you can do it when he's touching you. And you're like, so what is he doing with anything else? Like... (laughs) And also, I'm fairly certain before when he did use his power, people weren't touching him. Like probably not. Like the one where um fucking what's his face did uh when uh code pulled him out of his fucking head. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there were guys that like drew their swords and made threatening motions towards them and they ended up cutting their own heads off. Like he wasn't touching those guys. Yeah, I'm just like so, so. like what? <laughs> it's just like a dull. It's as though Kishimoto was like, I'm gonna write this cool power, and he's like, mm, maybe a little too cool. <laughs> Style is back a little bit. I don't know how someone stops this. Because he didn't have the fucking balls. He he did not have the balls to go full JoJo and fly a plane into this character while being eaten by piranhas to knock him into a fucking volcano. Because that's how you take care of overpowered characters. (laughs) Look, I'll tone his power down, but I will make this eight-year-old in little boy shorts and with a bowl cut strike poses like he's the coolest thing on the planet like code goes to attack him and tries to attack him from his blind spot and damon just is like mm, very suavely turns his head and then like flash steps behind him to dodge and damon's like oh hey remember earlier when you fit like you couldn't use the anyone that was hilarious and without using his super special broken power damon just punches code in the back of the head and annihilates him code gets up he's like so i'm sorry you probably didn't know about this so last week i got a gimmick change like i just debuted a new gimmick so you're not allowed to just fucking school me and make me look like shit dude you gotta fucking Uh, you gotta sell a little bit for me okay i've got a new entrance they they gave me they're they're like licensing my new music Uh, i i like 
I, I painted this mirror crack pattern around my eye. <laughs> like, I, I'm supposed to win this. This, this. this is what happens. And Damon just Goomba stops him, just jumps up <laughs> off his back and slams him back into the ground. And Koa just gasping out in pain. Koa's like, oh, I suck. <laughs> so he claw marks himself through the rubble that he's been smashed into, teleports above Damon, tries to slash him again, and Damon spin kicks him in the fucking head and launches him into the wall. <laughs> Code sucks so much. Like and he's not even says, using his powers. No, he's, he's just, just a normal ass kid right. kicking the shit. <laughs> like I want Kawaki to get this footage later. He's like, oh, oh, dude, never mind, dude. It's fine. He got the power up. <laughs> he still sucks. We're good. Guys. What was the point of all that? <laughs> oh, I've lost. I don't have any limits on my power anymore. He sucks just as much. <laughs> Uh, Co- Damon unbelievably assesses that Code is stronger than Jigen, whom I will point out to you was kicking Naruto and Sasuke's asses before this. And then Damon says, But that's all. Who's second or third doesn't matter to number one, me. And Bug, fucking Bug, looks at this. And says, oh, damn it, code sucks. (laughs) So, code's like, all right, I'm running away now because this has gone very wrong for me. Uh, And he was like, all right, get the fuck out of here then. I don't care. But uh, remember, I can see everything. uh, So if you try me again, I will kill you. And code... I don't know why he bothers. Like he he's just taken the he's just taken five finishing moves and been pinned by every member of the cruiserweight division in a row. And now he's cutting his badass exiting heel promo. I've got a mission to cultivate a divine tree to obtain his chakra fruit. I'll devour it and become a new Otsutsuki. And once I'm an Otsutsuki, your ability won't affect me. <laughs> And then I'll finally know. It's not affecting you now, and you're still getting your ass beat. Well, I'll finally know my true feelings toward you, whether I want to kill you, whether I want to love you, or want to kill you. Stop trying. No. Sucks so much. Oh man, I'm sorry in advance for how quickly we're gonna have to blaze through like really good chapters like Akani Banashi and <laughs> fucking PPP. Like we're just gonna zoom through them because I was, but I want to say for every panel of code, just fucking eating it like a fucking chump. Uh, he leaves and takes Bug with him, and Damon misses being able to take his head off with a flying kick because you know he didn't attack him while Code was giving his big dramatic exiting speech. And then goes, gah, you crazy psycho. Like, I mean, uh, whatever. Uh, Ada calls Amato, quote unquote, utterly devious for surviving uh, this whole situation and artfully separating Code and I, which was like, I mean, if you knew why that was happening, like, why did you, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, And 
So Amaz like, yeah, well, you also decided this would be a good chance to cut code off, right? It's like, so yeah, you're what? Why are they complimenting each other? You can't both be right about how this situation played out the way that it did. Anyway, Ada's like, look, you mentioned Kawaki, and you had some good points, so I'm just going to hear you out. I will kill you if you're just messing with me. But Amado's like, well, Kawaki's the ace at my sleeve, I swear. And then Damon jumps on Amado's back uh, and is like, a piggyback ride, I guess. I don't know. Um, and Amado says, well, Kawaki has regained his karma and has inherited Shika's abilities. His power will keep growing. And as of right now, there is no one in Kanoha who can oppose his power, including the Hokage, except for me. And Ada realizes, oh, you planned something else inside Kawaki. And he's like, yeah, uh, an emergency shutdown command code that only I can use. Okay, so. um, All right, so he's just going to wait. And he says, oh, and you should accept Shikamaru's offer. And I'll mediate. Okay. There's so much, like, it says so little. Code emerges. He bravely ran away, away. And Bug's like, why did you drag me with you? It's like, you did not want to stay with Damon and Ada. Shut up. Like, <laughs> so. Um, and Code's like, I hate Kawaki. <laughs> He's to blame for all of this stuff. <laughs> Kawaki's the problem. I don't suck. It's Kawaki taking everything from me. Well, at first, my girlfriend. As it like cuts to her, she's like, not your girlfriend. <laughs> then my power. They're like, no, you always sucked. <laughs> uh, so Code says, oh, he, I was supposed to be the legitimate vessel for Otsuki, not him. And now he's taking my girlfriend, too. He always thinks it's important to me. And I'm going to kill him. I'll destroy everything. Everything that's precious to him. The Fukage, his friends, and Konoha Village, too. <laughs> he makes a weird face in the last panel of the chapter. Oh, my God. It's, it's a train wreck of a chapter. As, like, you look and you're like, I'm sorry. Who is meant to be the central antagonist of this? Like... I suppose you can do this. I suppose this is more or less how the structure of like the first kick-ass movie went where like the main, the, the main quote, no, because the main antagonist was like fucking Mark Strong or whatever. It was just the kid was also there sucking. Like, I don't understand right. how we're supposed to be afraid of Code if he gets fucking clowned every time he's in an altercation. He's been clowned by Kawaki, clowned by Damon. Ada thinks he sucks and doesn't give a shit about him. Like, everyone's like, Amato is just fucking mind-freaked him every time they've had a conversation. Like, no one is afraid of this dude. He just sucks. He doesn't have a single thing he seems competent at. Like, the only thing that is in, in any way intimidating about him is the fact that he can conceivably teleport anywhere. Yeah. If, you know, like, he could, either, the, no place would be safe quote unquote except for the fact that he has not won a single fight that we've seen him in <laughs> it's not even like a case of failing upwards because sometimes that can make for like an interesting antagonist like some jojo characters will, will like antagonists have done that where like they'll or lose, like shigaraki yeah too. yeah they're like someone who's just like they keep losing but like somehow they keep kind of going up like they just managed to get enough of a victory out of it or whatever it might be but this is one of those things where you're just like Man, this dude just stinks, dude. He just, he's so fucking dorky. 
Speaking of dorks, look at this cover page for Kaiju number eight. Look yeah. at those two dorks hanging out in their little play in their play thing. It's uh it's nice. Nice to see Mina showing some personality. <laughs> Uh, so Ichikawa has been proclaimed officially a compatible user for Kaijin number six new spreads. Kafka is immediately worried for Ichikawa is like, no, no, he can't do that. It's going to be dangerous for him. And Kikoru just chops him over the top of the head. And is like, stop insulting us. I told you already. Reno is a soldier. Stop worrying. And then she kind of turns away to go focus on her training. Cause she says, I've got to keep on trying to surpass him. Uh, as well. Uh, we cut to later that night. Kafka is out jogging and he remembers, you know, Kikoru scolding him and, you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, she's right. Ichikawa is awesome. Uh, and he's, you know, gaining all this recognition through his own efforts. And I'm not, you know, I haven't seized anything through my own efforts. I've, I've just been protecting people using the Kaiju's power, not my own. Uh, and then he just kind of like looks at his fist, which of course, you know, still has the bone fragments sticking out of it. And he says, I'm not the person who's deemed necessary. It's just Kaiju number eight. So he's upset about that. I mean, this is that thing that has been well established for a very long time at this point. But hey, guess who's here? It's Hoshida. Yay! Yay! Hoshida gets to see Kafka again. Uh, and he just mysteriously is like showed up without notice and is observing Kafka from a bench. Uh, he makes himself known. And he says, hey, you sure you're going to be able to steal my spot by Captain Ashiro's side moping like that? And Kafka starts to say his name in surprise. But immediately Hoshida is in front of him and he has his blades out. And one of his blades is at Kafka's throat before he can even flinch away. Uh, and Kafka falls on his ass. And Hoshina just turns around and is like, all right, I got my payback. That's that's for hiding your identity from me. And he immediately reveals he just has rubber swords for pranks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Kafka starts to apologize and Hoshina puts him in a, a, a chokehold from behind. Just like, I told you we're even. Shut up. Stop being upset and sad. We're, we're, it's fine. And anyway, I've got other stuff that I need to tell you. You know, and he thanks him for helping to save the third division back during the incident where he was exposed. And he says, look, I'm thanking you, not Kaiju number eight. That's very sweet. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, and he also says that he knows about the fact that Kafka's body is potentially permanently transforming uh, because of his hand. Uh, and he says, look, if that's the case, I'll defeat Kaiju number nine. You don't need to transform anymore. Take things at your own pace. Walk your path as Kafka Hibito. That's what I came to tell you. And Kafka is moved to tears by this and he starts to cry and, he's, and he realizes like, yeah, I forgot I forgot that, you know, although she is so strict, he's actually the kindest person. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> but Kafka says, I can't do that, though. I can't just take things easy like that. I want to be recognized through my own efforts too by Ichikawa, by Mina and you vice captain, but it's not enough. My strength alone is can't protect anyone. And I don't want to see tears in my teammates eyes anymore. So that's why I'll turn into number eight and I'll fight. 
we get this cool uh, silhouette shot where Kaiju number eight appears in his shadow. It's yes, nice. It's very weird. And uh, Oshina looks at him and he sees the look of determination. And he's like, yeah, I kind of figured that that's how he would go, you know, considering, you know, who he's been up to this point. Uh, no matter what kind of ruin lies ahead, when the time comes, he won't hesitate to transform. But he then says, all right, if that's the case, follow me. I'll teach you how to fight. Hell yeah. So this makes sense. Oshina specializes in close range combat. Kafka punches things. So. All right. Um, I'm excited to see where that goes. It's nice to be excited by character number eight consistently again. It's been a little while since it was like reliably. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. Week to week to week. So good. Spy family mission 64. Hey, we're back to doing stuff with Anya. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can have fun again. Uh, so Anya is uh, chilling out after after school. Uh, she has said goodbye to Becky and she's just kind of hanging out by herself on the school grounds waiting to you know go home. But she realizes, oh, I don't have anything to do. But um, Master Henderson comes by and uh, he spots Anya, oh, you know, bored, lonely. And so he comes over to her uh, and says, you know, uh, if you've got time to spare, would you kindly help me with these school supplies? And Anya says, I'm kind of busy doing nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh and it's it's a lot of that throughout the chapter of Henderson trying to hint towards, you know, I'm doing something to help you. And Anya brazenly missing the point because she is like five years old and is no patience for this stuff. Uh, at the promise of tea cakes, however, she decides to help out by carrying stuff with him. And uh, this, of course, is an excuse for Henderson to try and connect with uh, with his student and try and, uh, you know, help to gauge how she's doing in school and what he can do to help her and everything. You know, he brings up like, hey, you know, if you have any difficulties, it might help you to, to discuss them. You know, it takes courage to open up, but I'm here if you want to talk. And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> and uh, Anderson looks down at her and he's kind of surprised because he's like, oh, she has such bravery, despite the fact that she's already received two tonitrous bolts. And then Anya is like, all right, I've got two tonitrous bolts. <laughs> um, and uh, so Henderson tries to explain to her, like, hey, this is the reason that you received a tonitrous bolt. You know, this is the logic behind why that teacher gave them to you. And I was like, oh, I've learned my lesson. I bring lots of hanky cheese with me every day now. So, no, 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 no. That's the handkerchief isn't the point. It's. It's so that you can act with elegance and be proper and unharried in regards to the situation. And I doesn't understand any of the language that he's using. He's talking about he's talking way too advanced terms. So Anya tries to pass it off like she understood everything perfectly. And she says, like, I need to maintain properly unhairy hanky chiefs because he said uh, the word unharried. And Henderson is just being increasingly blown away by how little Anya understands anything that he is telling her. <laughs> So eventually he says, oh, why, why do you want to have stellar stars? Do you want do you have something you wish to achieve by becoming an imperial scholar? And I is like, well, I can't tell him I just want to become a scholar because of Papa's mission. So she gets this really cool, devious look on her face and says, 
it's because they look super cool, <laughs> which <laughs> shocks and horrifies Henderson. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, she's like, oh, well, you said before you wanted to be like the headmaster going all the way back to like their entrance interview. And Anya just says, well, I just want the Stella Stars and I want them now. And Henderson looks very displeased by this answer. Uh, so he takes her down this hallway as they go towards his office. And he says, so these are all the students who were led to greatness. They became uh, these they became imperial scholars and they became politicians and artists and athletes through great effort, through self-control. They all overcame hardships. Some of them actually, you know, had setbacks like you have had setbacks, but they overcame them. And they achieved success because they persevered and they did things the right way. And nothing of import is ever accomplished in a day. And Anya does take this in because she realized, like, it's like my mission. I'll need to work a little bit harder every day. And she's kind of awestruck looking up at the portrait surrounding them. And she says, do you think I could be one also? And Henderson says, that is not a question for me to answer. It is up to each student, and at times, luck may play a part. But there is no need to hurry. The early years of your education are about building a foundation, not just in scholarship, but in athletics, personal habits, and self-respect and spirituality. Focus on exhibiting proper behavior, day in, day out. And then they drop off the, uh, the supplies in his office, and he thanks her for the help. And he goes, tea cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they eat. And, and Henderson, he keeps on trying. Henderson keeps trying to connect with this really stupid does. little kid. He really does. He keeps, he's, he's doing such a good job. He's trying. I love this man. He's such a good teacher. He's trying to connect with this airhead. And he says, even the cakes you're eating now were crafted by a former, a former imperial scholar. They spent years refining the recipe. Can you perceive the depths of their flavor? They're sweet. I love them. <laughs> uh, and he tries one last effort. Would you like to review the questions you missed on yesterday's quiz? I can spare whatever time necessary. I got my tea cake, so I'm going home now. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I'm gonna give full, full honesty. I forgot to read this chapter, so I've just been kind of reading along with it. I got to that moment where he's like, "If you'd like, I could go over the test questions." He's like, "I have my tea cakes. I'm gonna leave now. Thanks very much." It's just his face of like, oh, "I hate this job." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh. So. Henderson is, has lost a little bit of faith in the next generation, unfortunately. <laughs> Anya gets home uh, and she's a bit later than usual. Um, she sees that uh, Lloyd and Yor are both very tired because uh, they both went on missions today and had a really rough time of it. And I was looking at them and she realized like, oh, they both really worked hard today. So she gets determined too. And she says, hey, well, Papa, after after we have dinner, will you help me stu study? Because she wants to try hard, too. And Lloyd looks at her, and he thinks, oh, my God, did you get another tonight? Just bolt, and he starts to 
I love that he literally starts falling out of the panel and George's like, no, stay with us. And Linus' face like, fuck you. This is a really, really funny chapter. I love Henderson. Uh, I love Henderson heavy chapters. And I think that he really excelled in this. He's makes such a great contrast with Anya in this. And it was very, very funny. And also very nice that, you know, he delivers this very earnest message about moving forward and trying to become a better person. And it did have an effect on Anya, but not on the surface. So <laughs> it'll take a little while for that, for that, uh, for that, uh, for that ore to be refined, basically. Yeah, it was good though. This is a very, very good chapter. Um, all right, so there is no Eden Zero. Uh, no, I mentioned last week when we had a good boy Austin on uh, mm-hmm. that Eden Zero is not getting official publication anywhere right now. There's currently some uh, delays from the publisher and some licensing issues. Back then, uh, back then, last week. They gave a date of the 27th saying there'd be a new chapter out. However, now it's been updated saying they are uncertain when it'll yep. resume. So at some point, hopefully we'll get more Eden Zero chapters and I'll probably have to recap like seven at once. Uh, That's fine. Or we never have to talk about it again. So maybe that. Oh, be man, I don't know which of those is better. <laughs> <laughs> so just that that's what's going on. Yeah. Now let's talk about something good. Akane Banashi story 19 was ranked. Number one this past week. Hell yes. And getting color pages, volumes selling well. Look at how awesome Akani looks as she's getting ready to tie her hair back on this picture. So cool. Story 19, the Karaku Cup Finals. So uh, we start this chapter actually in a flashback to before Akane uh, set off to go take part in the cup. Uh, she had a conversation with her mom and her mom has a bit of a, the similarities with Akane we see in this. I do like that we get to see a bit more of the fact that Akane gets some stuff from both of her parents, uh, including seemingly, uh, seemingly a lot of her headstrong personality from her mother, who also wants to have a conversation with Arakawa so that she can be like, why the fuck did you kick my husband out of your school, you asshole? Um. But she also has the insight of, hey, I can tell that, you know, you're this that this thing is kind of means a lot to you. And Kai's like, no, no, no. It's not cool when you let things get to you when you're a teenager. Uh, but uh, she's like, no, no, I can tell. I can tell you're making that face that's like, I, I got to win, which I, I think is very cute that she can read her that well. But uh, she also says, hey, you know, it's perfectly natural because competition's all about winning. So show them what you've got. And Kai says, I mean, yeah, I know. Mom, thanks. <laughs> um, but then kind of out of nowhere, Akane asks, hey, why did you, why'd you name me Akane? And um, which takes her mother off, off guard. It's like, oh, well, well, why do you want to know that? But uh, she says, actually, it was Toru who, who decided on your name, her, her dad. And she starts to explain why, but we cut away to the present. Uh, and we see some uh, stuff going on at the cup, including Guriko and Koguma hanging out with Akane's teacher. And they are, quote unquote, in disguise, which means that uh, Koguma's hair is styled slightly differently. And they're both wearing sunglasses and flowered shirts. And Guriko looks like Jake Hager. Like- I, yeah, he really does. Uh <laughs> 
it's 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 the idea that they drew shitty beards on themselves that yeah. really sells just how bad this is where you're like why would you assumed that was the call yeah um and also kogan brings to the point of like the fact that we're wearing wearing these these garish outfits just is going to just draw more attention to us so why is this us trying to hide who we are Akana comes up and is like, why are you guys dressed like that? <laughs> um, and uh, then she starts to talk to uh, her teacher, who seems who is seemingly distracted. But she asked to go over the video of yesterday's uh, performance that she did. Her teacher is thinking about uh, what Gariko has actually told her, which is that her father had to quit because of uh, Mastery Show. And so now she's like actually understands why Akane was so determined. And she thinks, man, she must be carrying a lot of emotion going into this. So hopefully she's going to be able to remain calm. Then we cut over to uh, another one of the judges uh, from this event, uh, who is Iken Arakawa, who was apparently also present at the big Arakawa incident. Makes sense. He's part of the Arakawa school. Uh, and, uh, we get a little bit of conversation between he and, uh, this guy, Ryujaku, who doesn't seem like he is going to be nearly so important. I think he's supposed to be the third judge, but I'm not sure. I believe so, yeah. Um, uh, but it seems like he's not going to be as important going forward, basically. Well, he's not one of the Arakawa Arch no. Four. Yeah. Uh, Iken is called Iken the Hedonist, which is an awesome title, like, I mean, yes, there's hedonism and stuff, but it it's just a cool name. So he sounds like a bad guy. Like, uh, oh, you found out what, this is one of the great demon names in fucking uh, 40k. Like, oh no, the mm. chaos monster, Eken the hedonist. Yeah, uh, and Ryujaku really kind of bigs him up, saying like, oh, you're you know no, you're basically number two in position in in the school. Uh, and Eken says, yeah, just don't mention that around. Just don't mention Shigama in my master's presence. And apparently there is, of course, some tension between them. Makes sense. Uh, and uh, then we cut to, again, in the uh, Terminal Hall. We see, uh, you know, just a little bit of stuff going on. We see that a performer has just finished the Scared of Manju story that we, we saw uh, done by Akane before. And uh, Koguma says, so... Not Koguma, sorry. Uh, the young Arakawa, whose name I forget. He asks for uh, Isho's opinion. And it looks you know, like, oh, man, is he going to like tear into him? And he just says, oh, I thought it was quite well done. Your pause could use some work. Uh, you know, you got to focus on your tempo and, you know, it'll improve. I was like, huh. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if they brought in J.K. Simmons from Whiplash to teach, like, elementary school drum, he wouldn't start punching them, you know? it's He, he has different levels of it. Uh, that's right. Hit those drums. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Good good, good timber, or whatever. Yep. You need to make your fingers bleed a little more, but uh, we'll get to that. You, you'll Did you get hit by a car to show your dedication? <laughs> um... And uh, so his apprentice kind of says uh, he's never he never actually acts like that when he's being serious with someone, though, when he's actually training someone. So this apparently is also a performance for him. Makes sense. 
And then we cut over to Karashi, who is, of course, the member of the three people who seem like they are the favorites for the cup final that we have gotten to know the least so far. Uh, and uh, so he kind of can tell that Isho is just like he's acting way too hard to for any of this to actually be sincere. Uh, and uh, he spots, you know, Akane kind of spotting, looking at him while he's making these comments. Uh, and uh, he, he starts talking to her and like teasing her. He refers to her as Jugemu-chan. And he says, hey, I got a question for you. What is the essence, the sine qua non of success in life? And Akane is like, the she the chiffon what what are you fucking talking about <laughs> and karashi says it's the ability to trust in yourself there's no greater buff you can cast than the feeling of self-affirmation this fucking dork <laughs> it is true you know when you go into a raid now if you're a paladin they're like take down the aura of protection they're on the aura of trusting in yourself it's the only way if you're not rocking that, you're not in part of the raid group. All right. It's just we need that buff. It's good advice. Be confident, because if you act confident, people will think you know what you're doing. But the fact that he said there's no greater buff you could cast on yourself. Dork. <laughs> uh, and uh, he is up to perform next. So he takes the stage while saying to Akane slash himself that the confidence to face those who screech about tradition and the classics shut them up for, for good. I've got what it takes to do all that. Uh, and uh, he, uh, of course, has won the past two competitions, but people are wondering how is Master Isho going to react to him and his version of Rakugo. And as Karashi gets down, he's smirking, and he's very confident, and he says, I'm going to show you what the new age of Rakugo is all about. So we'll see if Karashi has a very different way of presenting uh, Rakugo. Um, this might be the only chance that he has to make an impression of any kind on the audience. Because I kind of get the feeling that between Akane's two rivals in this competition, it feels like he has the lesser chance of sticking around after this. We shall see, though. Well, he can't. They're not destined to, like, be daters, you know, so who cares? Yeah. The other one's going to, like, the other one, that's a girlfriend. This is, yeah. This is a dude. Yeah. It's a guy. Girlfriends are eternal. They're smirk. Dudes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Blue Box, guys. Yes. So, chapter number 58. No! No, what? not blue box. Nick, what are you talking about? Last B comes week, after A. Well, there's another A that comes between A and B, though. See, last week, now, I know you weren't here. I thought the news would have gotten past you at some point. Did this not what? get past you? So Austin read the last chapter of Aliens Area, and I believe his exact words were, this is a masterpiece in the making. You guys <laughs> need to be covering this. I believe specifically that was his rationale. He's like, you guys can't see quite yet, but everything this series is doing is unique and interesting. You need to you need to be reading it. You need to get ahead of this. You don't want to let the next Jujutsu Kaisen pass you by. Okay, so that's his opinion. Um, wait. He also said did, you'd be too chicken to read it. Did, 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 
did Austin win a money in the bank that I didn't know about or something like that? Like, what's going on here? What? So Austin could just come on the show and decide that we're covering a series. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy way this show. Works. I'm sorry. I feel like that should be reserved for people who can guess a Chroma Angel of Vengeance. Oh, burr. take that, Austin! You suck, you big nerd. Fucking final do aliens area. I haven't read this chapter. So here we go. Chapter number four, the plot. Oh, it's here. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, um, the arm thing that um, got launched last chapter, it's made of rocks now and uh, is surrounding uh, uh, a beanie, beanie agent of who wanted to test out powers. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, he's get he's told to that he needs to um, use quote unquote concrete memories in order to um, stop the release of his arm. So he, he manages to get control of it. Uh, and yeah, uh, and uh, trench coat dude says, that's why he's my new buddy. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. Um, and he then says, many are against your employment here. Uh but for them, we'll just shut them up. Okay. Yep. So uh, they start talking. Some agents show up and say to Shiraku that he's late. And Shiraku says, yeah, the big shots will have to decide what you handle after the preliminary investigation. Investigation. Investigators don't have the authority. If Okay. Uh, new character. He's got a he's got a beard and his name is Shuji. Uh, and there's a woman named Shizu Ch- Chio. So uh, they're talking about stuff uh, and how they're, they're, they're on site. They're on, they're on site of a new mission, and there was a lockdown that's completed. But then suddenly there's a, a ruckus from behind them, and uh, there is a big tentacle octopus thing coming out of a dude's mouth. And I guess it, he was uh, using it as a puppet. Uh, and so they're like, we need to stop it. And, uh, man, law enforcement agents trying to take down an octopus. It's been like two years since I've read a manga that started off on that note. So, uh, then, uh, Shiraku used the zero gravity run along the wall and go after the octopus thing. Uh, it dashes through some doors and Shiraku says, uh, yeah, so, Multiple witnesses spot a suspicious organism inside this factory, and we're called in to handle it. But if the alien wanted to escape from us, why did it flee back into the factory? That's odd, right? Uh, And uh, they see a box floating by, and the box can talk. Okay. Uh, But inside the box, there's a round humanoid thing with circles on their cheeks uh, and it's talking in a way they can't understand and it has a floating cube thing uh, and uh, they touch it and it starts to go glue and then it turns into a statue thing and Shrak is like oh I got Google Translate to work and the small alien says an assassination plot is underway and this individual is related to a government official from planet Barubapa this is an official 
request for protection in accordance with outer space law. Um. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. This is what you want, guys. Look. Confusion and... It's, mm, there's some intriguing things going on here. Mild intrigue. Okay. You haven't even let it get started. This is still like the start of This the is episode. chapter four. Yeah, it has started. It's called the plot. The plots are started. It didn't even have plot not... before for three chapters. I feel like a chapter titled The Plot should be chapter two. Uh so <laughs> Nick speedrunning manga. We we make decisions on if we are supposed to cover series after three chapters. Yes. It's fine. You get the chance to kill another series this week, so. I don't feel like that's entirely my decision, uh, but so. Well, it is worth noting that if we're split, Austin did get the deciding vote, which was to keep it in. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> it's easy enough for him to say. Blue Box, chapter number 58. I can, right. You know what? I can I can somehow backdoor you into an episode of Dice Funk as like a new character and you just fuck with all of his shit. What would he do? What would he possibly do? There is a certain appeal to this idea. All right. Chapter number 58, right or left? It's the battle between Taiki and Yusa. And hey, Taiki managed to win the previous set, and now they're on the final set, and they're neck and neck. It's 15 to 14. Everyone's like, oh man, Taiki's doing a lot better. He's kicked things into high gear. And on top of that, Yusa looks like he's enjoying himself whilst they're playing. Uh, And we get this really, really, really intense exchange, this intense volley back and forth, back and forth. uh, And they're like, yeah, Taiki is keeping up. And it actually gets to a point where, like, actually, it seems like Taiki is the one setting the pace. And we see Taiki uh, getting some points, getting some points on some smashes, and he wins. He wins the set 21 to 19. So he takes two sets out of three for a comeback victory after seeming like he was going to just be completely crushed by Yusa. Uh, So Hina and her friend are watching. Her friend's like, oh, wow, Inamata won. And he is like, I got to go practice for the play. And her friend's like, aren't aren't you going to say something to him? And she just kind of rushes off and she's blushing because her because the guy she likes, oh, he looked cool and won. So people can on uh, Taiki's team come over and congratulate him. Uh, Taiki also shakes hands with Yusa uh, and Yusa says, I'm still not satisfied. So Taiki's like, well, then let's have another match. And no, no, it's no. And uh, so, um, Yusa's uh, teammate also tries to tease him a bit and Yusa's completely unfazed by it. Uh, We cut over to Taiki who's getting cleaned up because he worked up, you know, a a great deal of sweat doing that thing, playing the sports. Uh, And also he's so razzed up by this that his legs are shaking and the adrenaline is finally starting to wear off and he kind of collapses after washing his face off. And he's able to say to himself, I am moving forward. And he reflects over this really cool Batman match that he just won. He's smiling. And then he pumps his fist in the air and he shouts out, I won! And then he just completely falls over and is like, oh, I'm tired. And then Shinatsu comes by. And uh, Taki's like, oh, all right. She she said she was going to come watch my Batman match. Shinatsu has her hands behind her back. And she says... Which one do you want, right or left? I've got a gift for you. You get to pick one. One, one in my right hand or one in my left hand. And so Taiki says, 
oh, okay, I'll take the one in your right hand. And she gives him uh, a pokari, which is a sports drink thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and Taiki's like, oh, okay, thanks. And then Chinatsu takes her other hand, and she's also got a pokari in that one, and she drinks from that one. <laughs> so Taiki says, what? So, so the things that you had in your hands were the same. It didn't matter which one I picked. And Shinatsu just kind of stares back in when he's giggling about this. And, he, and she just thinks to herself, I mean, Picard is the best thing to have after a workout. <laughs> matter of fact, it's like sports drink. Yeah. Um, but uh, as Taiki is kind of thinking, oh, oh she's so childish sometimes. Shinatsu says, actually, they weren't the same because the one you picked in my right hand it was charged with a special appreciation power. C is such a fucking dork, and it's goddamn adorable. And Taiki, like, stares at her, and he's like, oh, that's why I don't feel tired anymore. It's like, aww. Oh, bless these kids. It's cute. Yeah, cute little exchange. And hey, Taiki doesn't feel so goddamn depressed now. Yep. Good for him. All right, All right, let's move on. Nick, <laughs> last week in Doron Dororon, they introduced about 16 new characters, I think. Don't remember any of them. <laughs> it's okay. None of them are going to matter soon. <laughs> this Don't series run. is definitely ending soon. Probably. Hopefully. Chapter 28, Hanzo Miyamoto. This series got to 28 chapters, Jesus. Of uh, this talking going on, uh, and they talk about Hanzo Miyamoto, I guess. who That's the guy who's in charge of the division, isn't it? They talk a lot. They talk a lot. They talk a lot. And then um, one of them says to Dora, because, you know, it's like, hey, uh, I wanted to ask you something in regards to your report because it's kind of sloppy and hard to understand. Uh, you noted down old Longnose tried to snort us up, but we clobbered him. Fox guy pulled some crap, sucked up old Longnose and peace out. Uh, yeah, I don't know what this means. Yeah. So. So Kusanagi has to explain what actually happened. Uh, and Dora's like, oh, you're good at giving explanations, Kusanagi. And Kusanagi looks at Dora and says, you worked hard on that report, Dora. You inspire me to do my best, too. Oh, stop being so positive. <laughs> uh, so uh, then they look to Sukahara, the old glasses guy who was introduced last chapter. And they're like, whoa, is that technique something you're familiar with? And he's like, yes, from our analysis, you two have a very special kind of supernatural power. And the enemy may be planning to use it to break the seal. Okay. Uh, and uh, Dora's like, what seal? And it's a time for backstory. Of all the Mononoke that Miyamoto brought over, the most fearsome is the immortal Mononoke. Its power of regeneration is so strong that nobody could destroy it, so my master sacrificed his life to seal it away. It's contained in the spirit dungeon deep in the catacombs of headquarters. Uh, and if the seal is broken, the results will be catastrophic, and we need to protect headquarters to prevent that from happening. So I want to assign a samurai officer team for the job. It'll be very dangerous. Uh, grinning, weird, black-colored hair guy says, I'll do it. Uh, we've got, we got to take action. So the guy says, all right, you're in charge. Not Mishiro. And then they're saying, now we're going to have each team and everyone who will support them to go on alert and prepare for battle. Oh man, we're getting really heavily involved learning in the division, learn all the different people involved in it. All these people, they're going to be so important in the future, different people in different divisions, different specialties. Yep. 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 Dora got bored listening to the very important plan that literally has the entire fate of the world on the line because he's very mature like that. 
and uh, then Dora has a formal uh, introduction to Namishiro, and they shake, and they like uh, bump fists, and also Kusanagi bumps fists with them, and uh, there's electricity that goes up between them, because Dora's like, oh man, he feels so strong, and Namishiro's like, oh man, they're small, but I sense great power between them. Uh, and so they both get really excited. They're like, oh, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool. Oh, man. Dora and Kusanagi made a friend. Who would have seen this coming? They made a friend. It's almost like no conflict exists between any of the samurai in this series. There is a cat here. This is way more interesting than anything going on in this boring fucking series. A new girl with bicolor hair shows up. Her name is Rui Hasokawa. She introduces herself to Dora. She's got some freaking snacks. And then she says goodbye. Goodbye. She's gone now. And now Dora is like, oh, man, she called Dora Dora-chan. Oh, that bitch, that hussy. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, oh, hey, now, Tora, thanks for working so hard. And now Tora's like, I'd love to chat more, but I have to report to my team. Good luck, Kusnagi and Dora-chan. I mean, Dora. Oh, man, so embarrassing. I better run away. Oh, man. Now, Tora, so glad you were here. Goodbye. And then uh, Glasses Guy uh, puts... Dora in a chokehold, I guess, but it's like an affectionate chokehold, kind of. Uh, well, and he's, he's strong he's, too. He's kind of like rival guy, you know? Yeah. Or like smart rival guy. Then there's they're, mean rival guy. Yeah, they're all so cool and strong and friendly. And then there's a short guy with a dumb haircut who's like, they're definitely that uh, small Nick, cry for nothing. Excuse me, that's the same haircut that Damon, the strongest character in Boruto, has. So. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we should walk that statement back. Glasses guy says, I'm Hajime Narita. Stupid haircut guy says, you can call me Master Sakonta. <laughs> uh, and the tired looking guy shows up and he's like, I'm Eugene Yagyu. And Dora and Kusnagi are like, nice to meet you. And Yagyu says, Ginchio's told me a lot about you. <laughs> and they're like, How's Ginchio doing? And Yagyu's like, oh, she's doing great. And then he falls asleep. And then he wakes up. Oh, man, what a goofy character trait. He leaves, too. Goodbye. So then Hajime shows up. He's like, I'm here, too. And then Dora and Kusanagi go up on the roof, and they watch the sunset. And they're like, hey, if we win this battle, that means we're going to be separated because the seal will be gone, and you will be separated forever. And I kind of have mixed feelings about that. And Kusanagi says, what are you talking about, Dora? I'm going to win no matter what. If it means we'll be separated, it'll be okay. And they start to cry. And then they fist bump. And now oh, we're going to make a better world. Yeah. What's mind-blowing to me. Like, look, I understand. Maybe when the time comes, there's going to be more of a conversation. But you've created the conflict of this series. The entire conflict of this series of like, hey, we can achieve your dream, Dora. But it will require removing Kusanagi from this world. Your best friend will be vanished from it. It'll simply separate the two of you. This is this is insanity. Uh, and, you know, what are we going to do? This is a complete crossroads of the two things we want. And Kusanagi's like, no, let's just do it. And you're like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe instead of fucking spending seven pages explaining all the characters, you're not going to actually get a chance to show their personality from because you're like, I like these designs. I wanted to show them off. Why didn't you have them have, like, a real conversation about this dilemma? It seems crazy. Yeah, it's bizarre. it's 
still bizarre to me that you have all these situations where you could have some form of conflict between Kusanagi and anyone. And they're all just immediately resolved with, hi, I'm Kusanagi and you're my friend too. Cause I like Dora and Dora likes you and we're all going to be fun and happy together. What? We're going to be, our friendship's going to be torn apart. It's okay. I just, it feels like there needs to be a moment in like the last chapter where the facade just crumbles and you see how broken up Kusanagi is about everything. It's like toxic positivity. It's ugh. all right. Rory Dragon, chapter three. Technically, PPPPP, but we'll just skip over it. It's fine. We'll we'll, go, uh, we'll do that uh, next week. No, we'll do PPP after this. I've got a puzzle for you, but we'll do Rory Dragon first because we got to decide if we're going to pick it up. Spoiler, no, we won't. Rory Dragon. Rory <laughs> Nick's going to use his, I will no longer do this podcast if you make me keep reading this veto. <laughs> It's not even like that. I'll get to it. Ruri doesn't want to go to school because she's been out sick for a while while she's been sorting out her dragon stuff. And her mom's like, no, you got to go to school. Uh, and also, Ruri gets a message on her phone that her friend Yuka is going to show up. And that kind of settles the matter because Yuka's like, hey, we're going to go to school now. And her mom's like, OK, I guess you're going to school. And Ruri's like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to go to school. Bye. And Yuga's very nice. She gives Ruri a big hug. She hasn't seen her friend in a whole week. And she's like, oh, how did all the dragon stuff go? Uh, did, did, are, does your throat still hurt from the fire and stuff? Everything's fine. And she says, like, yeah, and things have been kind of weird at school because people have been asking me about you and stuff. And kids just talk. The leading theory is that you're a bioorganic weapon or a demon with a taste for human flesh or a mole person. None of those make sense. Well, a bioorganic weapon does make sense. A mole person she breathes fire and has horns. That doesn't make sense. Kids, come on. Do you know about the mole people do, Nick? I've got, some, I've got some literature I'd like you to check out. And I just uh, somehow a pamphlet just appears in front of you. Uh, Ruri runs into Yoshioka, the guy whose hair she burned. Hey, he had to get a haircut because part of his hair got burned. People immediately are like, hey, Ruri, are you a freaking bioorganic weapon? And she has to be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm actually a dragon. And I was like, oh, cool. And that's just kind of it. And her teacher shows up and is and uh, Rui says, are you sure it's OK for me to be here? And her teacher's like, yeah, your mom kind of filled me in and everything. Uh, and you're far from the first case of someone in society who's different from the average person. Breathing a little fire is not a big deal. So let's just all get along. That's the end of the chapter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so like uh, it's been three chapters. We had decided if we're going to keep Rui Dragon in. Uh, I think the easiest way to say it is no. I don't think either of us particularly want to talk about this week to week. I will emphasize, I do not think this is a bad series. I just do not think this is a particularly good series to recap. Uh, It is not a particularly meaty series, and it leads to a lot of, like, not anti humor, but, like, so subdued humor that it's really hard to get super excited about it. I think this is a great kind of series that, like, to share with others to be like hey check out this exchange or do you read this chapter just be like i enjoyed it for my own sense but i just don't think it's going to be a very good uh fit for the recap i agree completely 100 no discrimination nuts austin yorski your vote doesn't count here just like in the real america yeah you can't just make us you can't just you can't just make us review a series that we weren't planning on reading you don't have power here (laughs) anyway i've got a puzzle for you quinn (gasps) okay I hope that this one will go kind of quickly. Um, Here's the clue. Portly Praetor pitches pleather for purple pajamas. Uh, Oh, um, is this uh, Evil Uno? 
No. Okay. Because he did get into a lot better shape and looked a lot better recently. Uh, purple the... pajamas. Yes. There is the clue written out. Praetor. Yeah. Okay. I have to remember what a praetor is besides Magic the Gathering. Uh, poorly praetor pitches pleather for purple pajamas. Purple pajamas. Is it... It's not Birdie Lee. No. Okay. Is, is it anyone Dark Order? Because I'm no. getting caught up on purple pajamas right now. No, no. Okay. Uh, um, think. I mean, Dark Order is not the worst thing for you to think of because. <sighs> imagine like the the original idea for Dark Order, but like not the same stable, but you know a stable that has the same kind of vibes for it, and that would actually help clue you into part of it. I think in the interest of time, I'm going to tap out here right. so I don't have to guess all night, but. The answer is viscera. Okay, yeah, he did get out of purple. He did. He did get start dressing up in purple fucking velvet pajamas and danced a lot. Yep, it was weird. We don't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. It was a weird time. Rest in peace, bud. Yeah. Uh. So with that done, let's get into the chapter proper of peep 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 peep. Uh, peep. Chapter 38, happy birthday. Uh, we get Lucky just kind of reflecting on stuff that his siblings told him that while they were saying like, you know, no, you're going to have to do a thing that sucks. Uh, and while he's thinking about that, um, Ponytail Guy stops by. And also, uh, Kokore, who's glasses lady. Yes. Don't know who this is. So, uh, she. Uh, it's it's uh, sorry. This is a character you also miss. This is the lady who's basically like Ray Jero's, um sort of like handler assistant person. Uh, so they they kind of just exchange some like pleasantries for the most part. And then Lucky goes off to uh, be by himself, and uh, he's you know just kind of left to think about all the different things that he's been taking in recently. And he basically starts to reflect on the fact that, like, I mean, I try and make people's wishes come true with my music. I should be trying to grant happy wishes and I should be happy granting Fanta's wish. But his wish is to not see mom. And I really hate that. My wish is for them to see each other. And that's in contact with his wish. What do I do? And I am guess I'm just being as egotistical as everyone else is. I'm an egoist who is only happy when he fulfills wishes he agrees with and he just get, starts getting really really angry with himself and he collapses in the middle of the store <laughs> so fucking extra dude my dude has a little existential crisis and he falls to and he's like oh <laughs> like, <laughs> my dude just hit his own soul in confusion <laughs> in the middle of the soda aisle like geez but then as a uh, ponytail guy turns to him he's like hey are you okay he gets back up and like he says I feel like I just became human. <laughs> I would love for you to be like, okay. I, I, I do love this because it's a great exchange. I, I'm just as much as egotist as everyone else. Oh, I feel like I just became human. Sodomy's like, happy birthday. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, like, you could take this exact sequence and make like one of those surrealist stoner fucking cartoons out of this scene. 
Yeah, like in context, it makes sense why he says that, but it is really weird. So he now is like, okay, I've got a better idea of what I want to do now. I, I now know that, yes, I want to win, and that'll help me to make Fanta understand what I want. Though I don't know how to do that. I Because I couldn't win against Reijiro or Mimin, and our difference in experience is obvious. I've got to think of some other approach. So Ponytail Guy's like, well, you said you're the type who uses others, so why don't you keep doing that? The people in the audience enter the pianist's workplace. They're there to enjoy a beautiful performance. It's like they show up for the purpose of being used. Ooh. We cut to Mimin, and she's just kind of like, oh, Lucky's been practicing and he's gone. Uh, oh, no, that's Rachel. Oh, sorry. And then Mimin shows up and is like, I'm in a YouTube video. <laughs> A YouTube video that someone just shot up her street performance that's got over 2 million views. But then Rachel sees in the recommended and uh, the re- related videos that there's someone named Rin who has a 31 million view video. Jesus. Uh, and Rin is a person who has never shown his face. Uh, and we see that Rin is uh, the previously unnamed person who showed up to be part of Fanta's team and Fanta approaches them and says, Hey, I forgot to tell you that, uh, you know, we got to discuss which piece each penis on both teams is going to perform. So. I'm sorry. It really sounded like you said, which piece both penis. It did. Look, there's going to be, there's going to be moments where we're talking about the series where I'm going to say penis and it's going to sound like penis. So. Prepare yourself. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm a child at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Rin's got black eyes. How scary! So it yeah. seems as though we have found our opposite for Mimin among this group. Uh, and uh, it has been pointed out to us that uh, the fourth member of Team Fanta uh, is someone who is from Rajiro's past as well. So we've got uh, opposites for all four of them now. So do we? Yeah. Okay. Torchika is going to be a uh, ponytail dude's opposite, isn't he? Okay, potentially, yeah. Maybe I, I might be forgetting details. I'm dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. So that's that. That's yes. that. Now, um, take a much needed uh, rest, Nick. Right. Mashal. That's I'm going to talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 113. Rio Grants and the Defense of the City, which is a promising chapter title, but everything's going to turn out a okay in World Rio Grants. Uh, so everything looks really, really bad. All the humans have been given an ultimatum, like you had to get Mash or we're going to kill all you guys. And then all the monsters are killed by a bunch of beams of light just shoots down and hits everybody. And they're like, wait, who is that coming from? It could is only one person capable of that. And Rio Grant says, yes, just one person. And that person is me. The only number one Rio Grant's. And everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's incredible. You, you can help us. You, you can do this. And he's like, yes, I shall help you. I give you this. And he, he does a hand motion. Everyone's like, what did he, did, did he just give us, did he give us like weapons? Did he get, what did he do? He's like, I gave you pride in yourselves. <laughs> and everyone's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I believe in you. This is infinite amounts of magical powers. We've we've been given an infinite gift by Rio Grants. We can do this. Let's do this. Rio, Rio, Rio. Yeah. And Innocent Zero is like, all right, 
Then let me show you what the wand of beginnings can do. And he summons this dark orb of energy, and it comes from the castle. And Rio, it, it starts shooting down the city. And Rio Grants is like, no! And everyone's like, don't worry! We have this! Rio Grants is with us! And he's shooting like a big beam of light at this orb. And they're like, look at it! He's holding off that dark mass all on his own! Because Rio Grants is the number one mass! And then there's like 16 more. <laughs> and Rio Grants is like, oh shit! And the city just gets demolished. Like, we just see them hit. And then we see fucking craters. And Innocent Zero gets back on his little fucking teleconference uh, evil camera thing. And he's like, so to all of you in the surviving cities, this was but a greeting. Remember, you have a way out of this. And just like that, all of the, the hope has been dashed. Uh, we even see Lemon, who has fallen to grief, uh, saying, no, no, it can't be over. I'm not even married to Mash yet. Uh, and then we cut over to the clinic, where, of course, understandably, people are like, we have to get Mash. This is the only way to live. This is, we can't just sit back and die. Give us Mash Burn Dead. We'll be spared. And we even see annoying little stupid monster guy has a little <laughs> knife to him. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, what is he, he planning on doing with that? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's just dope, I guess. Uh, Amelia Duel grabs him and is just like, look, don't do that or I'll beat you up. <sighs> All right, we're in a pinch. You keep winding the key. If you run, I'll kill you. Also, it's imperative that you keep turning the key because if you stop partway through, the patient's condition will deteriorate until they die. Oh, and good luck. Stop and I'll kill you. And she jumps out the window to start dealing with things and... We just see her like go out there and she literally Jojo punches her yeah. way through a couple people. Uh, the stupid little monster guy is like, all right, I have two choices. Be killed by our enemies or the boss lady. And I'm more afraid of what she'll do to me. So I guess I got to do this. He's like, holy shit. God damn, this, this key's really fucking hard to turn. And he's like, oh, God, no, <laughs> the key won't turn. <laughs> We're all going to die because Mash's little rain <laughs> is just plummeting now. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite silly. Yes. So, yeah, I like the way that that uh, the beginning of the chapter plays out with Rio Grants being himself up until seemingly the very end, where he just has a moment to go, oh no, and then everything explodes around him. I'm kind of waiting for the dust to settle and for just the tower he was standing on, deflecting stuff with his lights, to be left standing, and yeah. he's fine. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I don't think that's exactly what's gonna happen. I think he's okay, but. Because it uh, also that, seems to apply the other um, uh, visionaries. The other visionaries were also killed as well. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Let's uh, finish things, I guess, with two chapters of the Elusive Samurai. Chapter 67, Shadow 1335. So Tokitsugu has shown up to confront the, te the Tengu guy. And um, we get this thing that basically indicates that uh, he's blind, but he can see, I guess. Uh, and the tank is, you know, indicates like, you know, don't you worry that, you know, aren't, aren't you worried about, you know, you coming here alone by yourself and stuff. And Tokitsuki's like, oh, no one even noticed when I left the battle. They didn't even notice my, that I was absent because my father is so bright and shiny that everyone notices him. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, no one really talks about you, I guess. And uh, we just get this narration that says, yes, Tokitsuga was heir to the Suba Grand Shrine, but there aren't many records pertaining to him. 
the scholars advising this manga say there is like nothing about him right now. We get these detailed, dramatic pictures, presumably of the advisors to the manga. All right. And it's like, yeah, the only thing that we know is that he was the person, you know, between Yorishige and his grandson, Yoritsugu. That's all that that's all that history has to say about him. He's completely forgotten. And that becomes his character. He is basically the Ichimaru of this series. No one notices him and knows what he, what he is. Uh, and we get an explanation of his abilities, which is that he's blind, but he has divine powers, which he uses to see. And so he can receive divine visions of value in battle. And Gamba's like, I mean, okay, you still don't make much of an impression with that ability. That just means you're a perceptive swordsman, and that's it. And uh, he fights with the Tengu a bit. Uh, and then we cut away. After it's a, bit, a dramatic moment, we see Tokiyuki's uncle uh, helping uh, out with the uh, the troops. And basically, he's got the right kind of personality to help direct them in battle and, and, and motivate them and everything. We uh, see Satomura uh, d- taking some arrows out of his armor. He's like, well, this sucks. Uh, I are they really going to, you know, defeat the Kakushi and me? Like, what's what's going on here? Where is the Kakushi anyway? We might have to actually run away from here. But uh, some advisor says, no, 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 don't worry. He said if the rebels closed in, he would take the field himself. And somewhere was like, what the, what the hell is he planning to do? And some gates open up and a giant fucking siege engine rumbles out from between them. As we begin the next chapter chapter number 68 and yeah the kakushi has um made a tank basically with a crane on top of it that he that basically works as a sniper as a mobile sniper tower for him war machine 1335 is our chapter we see that not only is the kakushi manning it but he has all sorts of crossbowmen in the lower levels beneath him and uh they're like oh man what's with all those those arrows they're so powerful did they have that many skilled archers in their ranks but they see no 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 they're not they're not they don't actually have bows and arrows they have crossbows uh and so there's just lines of people inside with crossbows and they've got all sorts of slaves inside the mechanism of the war machine that are working constantly to reload the crossbows that aren't in use and then they're passing the back and forth between the people who are firing them uh, and of course, the advantage of this is the fact that, you know, anyone who is can just point and shoot can use it. You don't even have to be a skilled archer. We see the girl that they met in Kyo uh, basically having this related to her by her father. And she gets a bit worried about Tokiyuki. And uh, it's like, oh, I hope he stays safe because it seems like, no, he's going to get shot by an arrow and die. Uh, also, the Kakushi is wielding uh, a crossbow as well instead of the bow and arrow that, you know, he went to all that trouble training with. So, all right. Uh, and they're like, oh, the tide of the battle has been changed. We see more of the fight between the, the Tengu and Tokitsugu. Genba is observing stuff and he's like, I can't read the Tengu's expression at all. And he's got that short blade that's coated in deadly poison, most likely. Uh, and he wonders like, oh, there's this all this stuff going on. That is the power that I sense that Fubuki said that, you know, slows down your enemies. Uh, the Tengu tries to uh, do something, but I don't know. Tokitsuki smiles, whatever. Arrows keep coming out of the war machine. Hoshina takes the stage and he's like, hey, let's use fire arrows to burn down the war machine. And um, the nice faced bloodthirsty guy is Mila like, yep, fire's great. Uh, but as they're preparing for that, 
a new devious machination of the Kakushi is revealed as they cast out planks around the frame of the war machine and just throw out tied up slaves to hang on the outside of it. And like, oh, there's a bunch of people who are abducted from the Hoshina lands. They're going to be killed if we try and set the war machine on fire and destroy it. What can we possibly do? You know, he's up in that tower. We can't just run up to it like we did before. Uh, and it's, you know, we're basically just like, oh, here's this horrible, cruel plan that the Kakushi has launched. And we get a close look at the Kakushi's face for the first time in a while. He looks like he is literally dead and his face is all shrunken in and evil looking and stuff. Uh, and we get an introduction to Nanbokucho tag for Demon of Fire Wheels Kiyohara Kami of Shinano and uh, it's the Kukushi as a giant uh, skeleton. It's a type of um, demon in Japanese mythos, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, Shizuka says they need to end things, so Tokuyuki and Yurishige take the field and they're going to work together to take down the Kukushi. And that's it. Yeah, there's some good some good little moments in there. I like the buildup in the uh, second of these two chapters. Um, didn't really care much for the joke of Tokitsugu, although I did like that it went to the lengths of, yeah, even the people who are advisors for the history of this series didn't really know anything about him. So, all right. Poor guy. All right. So, what's the best thing that happened manga-wise this week? Favorite chapter and MVP. I'm going to give my favorite chapter to... Oh, wait, no, I know this. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to give my favorite chapter to the Spy Family. It was really, really funny. Like, it was just a legitimately really funny chapter. I think I might agree with you. Uh, let me just do a quick run through real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. It was just really funny. So... Uh, and then my MVP, I'm going to give to Hoshina from uh, Kaiju Number Eight. I really, really liked him being like a cool, nice. welcoming presence. Yeah. It was just nice to see him interacting with the regular characters yeah. again. Like it was just, it was good. And I'm going to give mine to the weird alien thing from Aliens Area that doesn't have a name yet. And uh, I'm going to. Whew, this is kind of tough. I feel like. Oh. I don't, I don't want to just echo you, but I think you're right. I think it's just it's just Hoshino. Um, I did also like, you know, the little interaction that Shinatsu had with Taiki, but it was, you know, just the very, very end of the chapter. It wasn't super big. Um, and. Uh, yeah. All okay. Right. It's up. The audience, by the way, picked Elusive Samurai as their chapter of the week and Nico from Undead Unluck as the character of the week. He did have a pretty cool sacrifice. Sacrificial moment, I should say. Yeah, good stuff. Ah, hey, let me get it. Gotta take that big drink of that water in. Get all good. All right. Guys, thank you for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show on Wednesdays here on twitch.tv slash beginning usually at about 7.30 or 8 eastern time uh today we had to start kind of late and uh, for situations like that you're going to want to follow us on social media so you can tell exactly when the show is going to start twitter.com slash nick f time and wmr podcast are where to go to to get those sweet updates but you can also get them on our discord channel uh and in the meantime if you're on that if you're on discord in our server i'm tired 
Uh, you can participate in conversations regarding the series that we are currently doing a recommendation on, uh, the series that are part of the recap as new chapters come out, there are bi-weekly game nights that our community does, and also you can use it to find the spreadsheet that is maintained by Ninja X3i and uh, to find out other stuff that we have covered on the show previously. We've got a long backlog of series that we have covered as well as like statistics for MVP and favorite series picks, all sorts of good stuff. And also you can use that to make your own recommendation for a series for us to cover in the future. We would also like to extend special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, allowing us to create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. In addition to just the weekly episodes that come out. And uh, we want to also thank Milo Jack Stillis and Winsley Del Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of weekly manga recap, which you can find on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. Also, you can see some title cards that are made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can find at Steve Mann Art on Twitter, as well as basically wherever, you know, boobs and stuff can be drawn uh, that won't uh, get his account banned. Yes. Uh, and I'm forgetting something else, aren't I? Uh, Listen to the podcast. Past episodes are at weeklymagarecap.bobby.com. Okay. So, so uh, I've been thinking about uh, what series we're going to talk about next, and um, I couldn't think of anything. So I'm going to default and say we're going to continue the Pokemon journey. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is what black and white. Yes, right. correct. Sounds good. Time to check that out. Pokemon black and white. This is the game that I stopped playing Pokemon on. So this is, this is maybe the best game in my mind. Now, three is my favorite, but this is probably what I'm like. This was like a brilliant gen. So we'll 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 exchange we'll exchange words about it uh, in a couple weeks time when we are ready to discuss the manga Pokemon Black and White. So look forward to that, everybody. Catch Absolutely. you later. All right, that is going to do it. Bye. No time for a joke.